to the Bell Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Marcy Timmerman, the Executive Director of Mental Health America of Kentucky. And today I have with me our MSW practicum student, Rebecca Taylor. I will let Rebecca tell you a little bit about herself. Thanks, Marcy, for having me again. This is episode three in our COVID-19 series. In episode one, we discussed how different personalities can affect the reopening of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And in episode two, we took a look at different reasons for being anxious uh, about reopening, things like toxic work environments and freedom of relaxation. So we covered a lot. This week, we will discuss survivor's guilt and how that has affected our perspectives in reopening. And in this episode, we hope you can resonate with other people's stories of survivor's guilt as we share them. That's awesome. It's okay. And it's good to know that you're not alone if that's something that you're you're getting into. Go ahead and get us started though, Becca. Yeah. So I read a USA Today article that I want to bring up today. So this article tells the story of someone that survived COVID-19 on a ventilator. It's his story of getting back into routine. And he stated that physical therapy and a slow return to my normal exercise routine is helping me recover. But mentally, I found myself returning to my days in the hospital when I was overwhelmed by the tests, the sounds, the unknowing, and most of all, the loneliness. And if you have survived COVID-19, I can't even begin to imagine how this statement can resonate with all of you. Yeah, you don't even have to survive the disease to be affected with survivor's guilt. That's a big thing. No, you don't. And people around the world have physical and mental health concerns. And so survivor's guilt can result from being affected by business closings, layoffs, for having careers unaffected by the pandemic, or for anyone who isn't having as hard of a time as others, honestly. Mm -hmm. With all the layoffs, survivor's guilt can even be experienced by coworkers who didn't lose their jobs. And that's kind of what we were just talking about, right? So... Um, that's something to think about folks. If you're somebody who kept your job, right. And other people around you were losing it. You might feel guilty for having a job and that's called survivor's guilt. And Marcy, you touched on a really good point. Like it's amazing to me to see how so many people can be affected by this survivor's guilt and not even know it. Mm-hmm. Like it is literally a traumatic experience that most of us are experiencing or experienced, And everyone's experiences of survivor's guilt are vastly different, but that does not mean that we cannot pull ourselves up from that place of guilt. Thinking about that, how how would we help pull ourselves up from that guilt? What are some tools that you suggest? We can recover physically from any type of trauma, but mentally we will have triggers that bring us back to those dark places. And that's just a fact of what trauma is. Mm -hmm. So this man in U.S. Today stated stated it so perfectly. He said that there are some days that he was brought back to those days of uncertainty in the hospital. And it can be very hard to have those triggers and remind you of those days where there was hopelessness. Not only is there that feeling of hopelessness, but there's also this feeling of loneliness. It can be hard to feel completely and utterly alone. That loneliness and uncertainty can also be very devastating. And this man also stated, quote, some days the dark place comes out of nowhere. Other times it comes from fighting against anti-vaccine conspiracy theories and misinformation, end quote. And so for me, after reading that quote, 
Well, I didn't even realize that conspiracy theories and misinformation could be a provoking trigger to these COVID-19 survivors. I can't even imagine how many boundaries these people would have to set every day so that those triggers wouldn't, wouldn't live inside of them for 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's an important thing to, to emphasize. And let's just take a moment and remind people and highlight that setting a boundary is fine. So sometimes we set boundaries with other people. Sometimes we set boundaries with ourselves. Uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit, Rebecca? Yeah, I'll just share a personal boundary that I've even made for myself during COVID-19. I only watch the news for one hour and then I'm done for the day. The misinformation and conspiracy theories are even on the news. People talk about it all the time. Vaccine incentives are being created and so many other information about COVID-19 as well. So it can be hard to make those boundaries, but with patience and continuous effort, it can be done. And with positive self-talk, it can also keep those boundaries in check. Mm -hmm. So with positive self-talk boundaries, or, or without this positive self-talk, boundaries can be swayed and brought down. And that is why positive self-talk is so vital. Yeah, I think everyone struggles a little bit with positive self-talk at times. So it's a great reminder to invest the time and energy into doing it, to kind of stopping yourself and, and checking like the narrative you're using within your head. Uh, Brene Brown talks a little bit about that too, uh, for anyone who's looking for more information on kind of positive self-talk and the story we tell ourselves. Uh, but getting back to survivor's guilt, what kind of definitions have you found of it, including what we should be aware of as signs or symptoms? Yeah, so survivor's guilt is when someone has survived a traumatic event and others don't. And there are different symptoms that come from survivor's guilt. An article from the Heart Association discusses the different symptoms and it quotes, it can cause flashbacks and sleep problems and make people feel irritable or unmotivated. It's been linked to problems as serious as suicide, end quote. And so in a previous episode, we talked about being unmotivated to do, this, to do the simplest things during the pandemic. I've even been there. I know a lot of us would not have seen how this coincides with survivor's guilt, including yeah. myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And with that man that survived on the ventilator, he stated, quote, with each day, the spiraling death toll left me with what I know now is survivor's guilt, end quote. And Kentucky, you know, ranges from urban, suburban, and rural communities. And each of these communities have people that suffer from survivor's guilt. And it can be hard to live with that. You know, the, you have all these questions in your head to wonder, why me? Why did I survive? What makes me so much more important than other people? How am I supposed to live now? And all these questions are negative cognitions and these people think that these questions are true and that they don't deserve to live. But there's a term for that kind of thinking, right? That kind of spiraling, wonder why me, why did I survive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that term is called schemas. And so schemas are ways of thinking that compromise a set of beliefs and assumptions about how the world operates. And so there are positive and negative schemas. And that was an example of negative schemas and those negative schemas can be triggered when stressful activities come around. And with all these reminders 
to trigger these negative schemas, it can be hard to control them. And so with survivor's guilt and negative schemas playing on people's minds, it can be the start of grief. We all know the stages of grief include shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, and acceptance and hope. And so even though there are stages that sound lonely and very hard to push through, we can get to that last stage of acceptance and hope. Yeah, recovery starts with a single choice, a single thought, a single step. We say that all the time, right? And we constantly make the choice to be in recovery. So we really know that from our work across mental health. What types of things, though, do you think we can have in place to engage people with survivor's guilt in recovery? How can we help them recover? Increasing access to community counseling, emergency health lines, and equipping first responders with the tools they need to provide compassionate care is a really good place to start. Yeah. What about other people? Are there other ways to get help? Yeah, for sure. You know, the steps are different for everyone who is dealing with grief from survivor's guilt. And some of those little steps can be connecting with other people that have dealt or dealing with survivor's guilt. And I read an article where a lady found Facebook groups that are specifically for people who have lived experiences with survivor's guilt. And I thought that was a great way to be connected, but socially distant with people so that they can validate your feelings on a genuine personal level. Yeah, It's a different feeling when, when somebody has gone through it with you and you can accept and acknowledge those feelings that you are having. And it's okay to have those feelings, but we need to accept, accept them so that we don't so that they don't consume our ability to function. And so from Facebook groups, you could get together through virtual settings, Zooms, um, Google Meets, and do mindfulness approaches with these people. And mindfulness techniques come in many different shapes and sizes. You talked about how mindfulness comes in many different shapes. Do you want to expand on that and tell us a little bit more about what you're meaning, especially related to survivor's guilt? You know, I'm not going to say that I'm a professional in this, but for one of my classes, we talk about specific mindfulness techniques that can help with grief. And in a way, survivor's guilt is grief. Mm-hmm. And these techniques can include belly breathing, five senses, meditation, muscle relaxation, etc. cetera. Um, so I'll just talk about those five things for now, because there's mm-hmm. so many out there. There are, but yeah. So belly breathing is when a person puts their hands on their belly and when their hands rise during the breathing, they are doing the exercise correctly. And so that person will breathe in through their nose for five seconds and breathe out of the mouth for five seconds. And so this person is learning to focus on the breathing part of the exercise and in doing so, learning to be in the present moment. And so once they have mastered this skill, then they can put other techniques along with it, like five senses. And so as they're breathing, they can think of five senses, different things that they see, or five things that they see, and four things that they feel, and three things they hear, two things they smell, and one thing they taste. And this can also help many people be in the present moment and relax from survivor's guilt that has consumed their lives. And meditation 
is also a good technique for mindfulness and muscle relaxation is another technique that can be useful for people who, who suffer from survivor's guilt. So that man that we've been talking about throughout this whole podcast survived on a ventilator and stated that he was having flashbacks from being in the hospital and his body would become rigid. And there are different tech triggers that can cause our muscles to become tense from survivor's guilt. And so muscle relaxation is a way to not be stiff like a spaghetti noodle before it is cooked. And so to start this process, you find a comfortable place to sit and then tense a certain muscle. And so it's recommended that you start at the bottom of your body, like your toes, and you work up to your head. And this can help the entire body get into a relaxed state and help your body recognize that it can be relaxed and doesn't have to carry this survivor's guilt. And so muscle relaxation is good for falling asleep with PTSD symptoms from survivor's guilt and to feel more confident in their ability to manage stressors. So those are great resources to deal with grief and guilt. There's a lot of things that we just covered. Uh, is there anything you see that they have in common? Yeah, so all of these things need one thing in common and that's the desire to change. That desire to change can be super small, a small light in the darkness of guilt, but that light can expand and illuminate in that darkness. And then that light can be shown towards other people and become an example to those other people as well. Mm -hmm. But it's not easy to move on from anything. We're not pretending it is. Right. Yeah, it can definitely be hard to move on from survivor's guilt, but there are professionals that are out there to help guide people through this process. And I'm not here to push for seeking out help because you know yourself better than I do. And a quote from the article states, quote, it's up to each of us to determine when and how to seek mental health support to meet the new normal with purpose and resilience, end quote. And so if you don't feel like reaching out to somebody, it's okay to try your own health remedies. And some of those can be like practicing self-care. And I know when we, when we say self-care, people think of bubble baths and face masks. And that's not what I'm getting at. <laughs> I mean, do something you love and enjoy being in the moment of that activity. If you love reading, playing video games with friends, journaling, cleaning, dancing, watching a good movie, eating, then let yourself loose and enjoy those activities. And once you feel pretty satisfied with yourself, you can extend those health remedies to other people. If you're watching a movie and you're eating some great snacks and you're pretty satisfied with the alone time that you've had, call up a friend, say, hey, I've got some good snacks. Come on over here. We can eat them together. And that can be a good way to have that social interaction. That's great. And thank you for reiterating self-care isn't about a bath. That's a big thing. But one of my pet peeves, uh, it's about reviving your spirit, right? And bringing yourself joy. I really like that. So the next part of our conversation we wanted to make sure that we address today uh, is where you want to discuss how survivor's guilt may play into COVID-19 choices in Kentucky. Uh, do you think that our legislators um, have also experienced this type of guilt and its symptoms? I do. I do think that survivor's guilt does not pick and choose who it affects. Um, I can say that there are definitely legislators out there that have experienced survivor's guilt and its symptoms. And I think 
Well, I know they've liked working from home. I'm not going to say I think, you know, because we're all human beings. We all like to be close to family members and to be in our comfortable environments. Mm -hmm. So I would go as far to say that some legislators have felt unmotivated at times during this pandemic. In my personal opinion, I can see how survivor's guilt has affected the reopening of Kentucky as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, Kentucky is open and running, but it did take time and effort for many people to get to this point. And as cases of COVID-19 rise and fall, legislators will become anxious and triggers will remind them and all of us of the experience we have had with survivor's guilt. And it was not pleasant and precautions will be taken so that we do not have to experience those symptoms again. Mm -hmm. And so we could even look at this reopening in a metaphoric way. So we could pretend that we are a lion at the zoo and now we have all seen this line pace back and forth and admired its concentration and determination. And that lion paces because he is trying to find a way out. We can look at this space that the lion is enclosed in as COVID-19. And we have it and it is captured in this environment. And we are all this lion pacing back and forth because we want a way out of this environment that we are forced into. Mm -hmm. And we are looking for any possible way of escaping. And there will be times that we will fail and learn from it and try again. I mean, we have seen this lion attempt so many different times. And learning from those attempts of escape can help us build a better environment for everyone. So now that Kentucky is open, the lion or us are free, but we do not stop there we can still continue to push forward for a better environment. And the survivor from the USA Today article stated, quote, it was then I discovered our country is woefully unprepared for the mental health pandemic we are facing. COVID-19 has ushered in a mental and emotional health crisis, especially in a minority communities like the one I live in and represent, end quote. Wow. Yeah, that's a really important statement. We have been feeling kind of caged. I think all of us have, you're right. And and we still have cages of different sizes, right? And different things going on. So that's really insightful. And then I definitely agree. Uh, There's definitely a mental health pandemic that we were not prepared for. Uh, We had an opioid epidemic we weren't very prepared for. And now we've layered onto it this mental health issue that's created from COVID. We're definitely not ready for this crisis, but we're trying right? Our mental health system is really barely functioning for some though. And it's in shambles for others. And I have seen many different people advocate for change in the mental health care system. So there are Kentuckians who are getting involved in legislative meetings, calling legislators and asking how they can help advocate for certain bills and showing up to do the advocating work. Mm -hmm. And the survivor stated, quote, It's up to each of us to determine or when and how to seek mental health support to meet the new normal with purpose and resilience. But it is the responsibility of our leaders to ensure that choice is available to every person. I pray America can meet this challenge better than it met the pandemic, end quote. And so with Kentuckians acting on this advocacy and showing up, we will be able to get the community, the community mental health care system readily available to many that need it. And it is something that we should still work on every day to help 
those that are in need and for our loved ones. Yep. Couldn't have said it much better myself. Uh, if you want to get involved in mental health advocacy in Kentucky, give me a call or text me at 859-684-778 listeners. Uh, I'll respond from 9am to 5pm Eastern or email me. It's fine to do that. Uh, our contact information is at www.mhaky.org. So again, that's www.mhaky.org. So we've covered a lot of tips, tricks, and information. Uh, did you want to try to recap a little bit um, so we can walk away with the high points, Rebecca? Yes, definitely. The recap of this episode, I would just like to focus on realizing that survivor's guilt isn't just for people that survived COVID-19. And we've talked about different techniques of how to combat that guilt and where to find those resources. But you know, COVID-19 and survivor's guilt has touched many lives during the pandemic. And again, I just like to reiterate those techniques. There are breathing, mindful techniques that can help each of us combat the survivor's guilt. And I hope that if you need a reminder of these techniques to come back and listen to this podcast again. That's a lot of research you've done for this episode. I really appreciate it, Rebecca. Uh, thank you all for listening uh, to the Bell Podcast, episode three of six on COVID-19 and mental health. Uh, if you are having difficulty with your own mental health, we offer free mental health screenings on our website at www.mhaky.org. Uh, we will also have some related material uh, about these issues. So you'll have some survivor's guilt resources coming soon. Donations to help us continue our work in mental health education, research, and advocacy are always appreciated as well. Uh, that information is also on our website. Don't forget that everyone has mental health. It's important to take care of yours. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thanks again for having me, Marcy. Take care of yourselves, folks. Bye.